0: Eine Frage. Wie schnell war der Aufschlag? 150 km/h. Wie lang war der Drive? 229 Meter. Wie lange hast du geschlafen? Oh,
1: 7 Stunden 54 Minuten. Letzte Frage. Trainierst du deinen Körper und deinen Geist mit der Achtsamkeit? Ja, genau das mache ich. Wir alle haben Fragen. Und die neue Apple Watch Series 7 hat die Antworten. Auf dem bisher größten und fortschrittlichsten Display. Die Zukunft der Gesundheit am Handgelenk. Lieferengpässe möglich. Erfordert ein iPhone 6S oder neuer App aus dem App Store. Abo erforderlich.
2: Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea fan cast and you're listening to me, Stanford Chidge, and uh, him over there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. And the other him over there, Mr. Clayton Beerman, who's uh, got Hello. himself a very... Actually, that's a very good idea, Clayton. Clayton's opening. See, Clayton and I, I should I should uh, not advertise this because it's an exclusive members club, but Cl- Clayton and I belong to the virtual uh, pub walkers um, thing on a what, little kind of Zoom group uh on uh, on a friday evening with some of our mates some of whom we drink in uh, drink within the cock you see so we quite often have a beer don't we on a friday night t- together in a virtual sense and he's just open one and it's tempted me this is the one i was going to drink on friday uh, clayton but never mind needs must
0: so there you go well due, due to lockdown i've actually run out of beer so i'm having a couple uh we're a birthday present yeah. and this is wold top Wold Gold Blonde Beer and it is really,
2: really very pleasant. Wold Gold? It sounds like something Jonathan Ross might drink. Wold Gold? I think you're right. Right, anyway, the main uh, business uh, of this evening for us is of course having a good old look back uh, at the season that was 1978-79. Uh, um, again, this is, I think we're going to have to call this um, what do they call It's like um, uh, BC and uh, A. what is it? AD, isn't it? Uh, so I think we'll have to call this era of Chelsea BC, before Chidge, because I've still not really yet found my way uh, to regularly going to Stamford Bridge. But I can tell you that these two chaps here, these two fine chaps, were definitely there and thereabouts. So my, my first thing, I'm going to ask you, Clayton, actually. Um, Chelsea, you know, in spite of all the obvious evidence, were because they were dreadful. Uh, the season before, as, as anybody who listened to the show last week will remember, but they were tipped for a quick return again. Did you think people are mad or did you your hope, hopes and expectations were such that you thought, well, yeah, of course?
0: I think the thing is, at that time, we, we had uh, assumed the mantle of a bit of a yo-yo club. We'd been up, we'd been down, we'd been up, we'd been down. And so the thought that we could basically go up again Was not completely foreign, Um, but you did actually have to check and see whether the men in white coats were around. Um, But I I honestly can't remember the beginning of that season, the strength of the other teams in the division. So I can't remember whether we went down and and the team that we went that were relegated would have been perceived to have been a better bet than than the other teams. who were relegated and who were actually in the old second division at that time? There wasn't anything in our in our squad that gave us a huge amount of hope after the absolute consolop that we'd watched the year before. Well, uh, but you know, I think I've said, and when we've reviewed seasons before, that there is always an optimism at the start of any season. Yeah. There, there is an optimism.
2: Well, it's interesting you say that. That you know. The squad, I mean, the squad was most definitely not as strong as before because, of course, Jonathan would sold Ray Wilkins for 900 grand, which made many of uh, my generation and a bit older uh, tearful, to say the least. Uh, and, of course, Clayton's hero, Peter Benetti, finally retired at a grand old age. I think he was 38, wasn't he, when he retired? So we were, we were weaker already, weren't we, J.K.?
1: well i i don't think he'd been great towards the, the end of the last season benetti i think we were aware that he was uh, he was on his last legs a bit um uh, he always got he always threw himself wonderfully into um, into every uh challenge with a with a forward on goal and he was fearless and he always got injured and i think his body was had great difficulty recovering from the injuries because he was he was getting older and older and he didn't quite have the same spring in his legs um so uh I, I think it was a, it was a mutual thing, wasn't it about Benetti? but then we were we'd replaced him with the um, with the uh, the eccentricities of the bizarre Peta Barotta, who uh, um uh, I have to say I was more my my memory had failed me about Barotta because I remember thinking that he was a uh, um, um, eccentric but sort of quite good and in fact, the reality is watching some of these clips back he was just Eccentric and terrible, um, uh, so uh, I, I, it, was, uh, it was very, very difficult. Um, looking very positive about it, but I mean, as a, as I mean, Clayton's absolutely right. You 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 always approach each season with an optimism because you think the teams in the division will never be um, as good as they were in the uh, in, in the div- first division before. But um, but nonetheless, um, uh, the season before they were so terrible, it was difficult thinking. They're going to get out of this first time. So, um, but uh, you know, you always hope. There's always that dreadful hope that somehow they'll they'll get something together. That um, they'll they'll select a group of players that will gel. And uh, but as as you say, Wilkins disappearing was um, leaving for United was a blow. But I mean, I was a Mickey Fillory fan. I thought he was excellent most of the time. And and Walker, Clive Walker. So uh, there's always there was always hope with that. Um, um, and uh, and uh, I don't know, you always, you, not being terribly aware of what was going on behind the scenes, there was always the feeling that one of the, a new signing might appear and then just somehow push them into a, into a, uh, a different standard. Um, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, so you, you've got a kind of double thing going on, haven't you? You've got, you've got hope that, you watch the first few games, it's hoping they'll win them. And uh, when it they're not playing very well or it's not quite as easy as you thought it was going to be, then your enthusiasm sort of disappears, dips a bit, and well, you then uh, aren't observing in the same way. I you think know? the fact that we you
2: know we beat the China eleven three one in a friendly would have been enough to give everybody hopes that we would bounce back up. But uh, talking of people, we didn't really get anybody in. I mean, Peter Rhodes Brown signed professional forms, and uh, Colin Pates signed professional forms uh that summer but we, we we let uh Gary Stanley go actually the day before Ray Wilkins which I've completely forgotten about um but uh he went to Everton for 300 grand I mean we all know why they were selling yeah they were selling players because they were skint and they needed the money um but they did all right I mean the first uh the first kind of few weeks of the season oh no they didn't do all right at all I'm lying of course we drew nil nil against Sunderland um at home, which was a fairly close, uh, close fought affair, and then we managed to lose uh, away to West Ham. And and then, uh, we sorry, we what I'm sorry, I'm just yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I haven't even started this beer, Clayton, and yet the, the smell of it's <laughs> clearly got me pissed. Yes, we drew 0 0 against Sunderland, and then we won away against West Ham, which is never a you know, no mean feat in those days. They ended up winning the cup that year, uh, and then we won at home against Wrexham, uh, with an Eddie Nizveki in goal, believe it or not. Uh, and then we played Plymouth Argyle in the cup and we drew 2-all. And then we uh, lost new- to Newcastle uh, away 2-1. And then we got booted out of the League Cup against Plymouth Argyle uh, on aggregate. And basically, after that, they got rid of this surreal, quirky manager that had been Danny Blanchflower. And uh, in the summer, Jeff Hurst had been. Uh, acquired as the first team coach and they promoted him to the manager with Bobby Gould coming in to uh, replace Danny Blanchflower so um Clayton what what did you think about Chelsea having uh the hero of 1966 as the manager of our club with his great uh, track record of managing Telford um I think that <laughs> at the time Jonathan, Jonathan I'm sorry I need to buy because I just saw Jonathan's face there he's grimacing at the memory of it <laughs> <laughs> sorry mate but carry on
0: I, th- I think at the time um and, jo- and Jonathan may correct me that quite frankly had they um appointed Hector from Hector's house a popular TV program at the time with Kiki, to with Kiki Danny, as
2: the assistant right? yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. To, to replace Danny Blanchflower I think I would have been happy. I mean, Danny Blountflower was possibly, and it's quite a very high bar, but possibly the most ridiculously stupid, inappropriate, and ridiculous appointment the club's ever made. And it was obviously based on the fact that he was willing to do the job for a couple of couple of pints of stout <laughs> and a packet and a, and a packet of peanuts yeah. as a, as a weekly wage, because there was no logic to it. It was just.
1: Who insane. Came up with that? Who on the boardroom came up with that idea? I mean, I've, I've just...
0: got no idea, but it, it just—I mean—it it set the club back. I don't know. <clears throat> it was for what? It, It's—it—it it's, it was probably less than half a season in total because he—he was like the last third of the relegation season, and then the first couple of weeks of this season. But the fact was that, that once—I mean, I don't know if you want me to go on, but once yeah, yeah. Jeff Hurst got into his stride, we had, and I I don't know if my memory's playing tricks with me, but I think that he was, a, I think initially he was only appointed as a caretaker. Yeah, and yeah. he won, I think it was either five or six games in a row. And on the back of that, he was appointed permanent manager. And his first game in charge as permanent manager, we lost. <laughs> we lost home to Fulham. We did. I remember because I was there. Uh, I, we lost two 0 and I think the infamous John Beck possibly scored one or both goals. But it was good he was because
1: he was a good player, Beck.
0: Oh my God, he was tough as tough as whatever.
1: Tough as teak. Tough as
0: teak. tough as tough as teak. Thank you so much. Yeah, no so yeah, so it was, I mean, basically, yeah.
2: uh, you're right. Sorry to butt in. I'm just uh, having a fact check here. Uh, Jeff Beck, who later, of course, became a world-renowned guitarist, uh, he scored on 60 minutes, and then Gordon Davies. Remember him? Yes, I do. Very. Yeah, good. he scored on 87 minutes. And then, who was the manager? Who was the manager? Of Fulham. Yeah. At the time. Yeah.
1: Oh. Oh. God. Um, oh. Oh God. Um, oh. It wasn't Alex Stock, was it? Alex Stock.
2: No, nope. Bobby Campbell. Oh,
1: oh,
2: wow. How about those apples? Wow. So, I mean, they, you're right, Clayton, in all of that, mate. Well, well-remembered. I'm gold star, mate. You know, the quality... I mean, Jonathan, I can't remember what happened last week. You're doing very well here. Um, right. no, I do remember that because it was just so <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> sorry. I, it I, was I was, just... Yeah, it was so Chelsea. I mean... They they did basically get the gig because uh, they, they reeled off wins against Watford 2-0, Cambridge away 1-0, Burnley away 1-0, Chelsea against Bristol Rovers 1-0. There's a pattern emerging here, isn't there, that would come back to haunt us in, in later uh, elements of his career. And then we won 2-1 away at Cardiff. But in the meantime, or kind of at that same time, he managed to completely piss Peter Osgood off, who kind of basically retired in a flounce, saying that he'd stabbed Blanche Blair in the back. And he managed to sell Eamon Bannon, who, of course, was cherry-picked, hand-picked by Blanchflower, and actually, you know, he was quite a decent player, as he he then went on to prove by ending up playing for Scotland.
1: Remember that, Jonathan? I do indeed. I I liked him as a player. Agreed. He he didn't set the the place alight, but he looked looked very industrious and uh, very um, compact, and um, he was decent, and I thought he'd have a very good second season, but alas, no, not given an opportunity. Well, to he know, was great passer of the ball. He was, he was a very decent player. Very quality player, actually. Um, yeah. but, um, it's interesting, wasn't it, that um, I, I listened to John Sitton's um, uh, discussion about um, playing for Chelsea, and he said that um, Jeff Hurst was one of the worst managers he ever played yeah, yeah. because all he did was just get him to run everywhere. The yeah. ball was never used, and if any ball was ever ball work was done, it was always via Bobby Gould. We sort of secrete them off somewhere to play with the ball. But he said that, and his big thing, of course, is gone. And said that that when he was a, uh, when he was a student, that um, that Eddie Mack was, was this was this great great manager who, of course, um, uh, should have carried on managing them uh, because would have managed them to great success. Um, it was just interesting hearing from a player at the time, but he said that uh, that Hurst was definitely the worst manager he ever put under. Um, well,
2: having having as as Clayton so rightly said, got the gig and then leading to Fulham and then Sunderland. Uh, we then played uh, Leighton uh on Saturday, the tenth of November. In in what yeah. is well, hang on, hang on, it's one of the most remarkable games that I don't know about at all. It it never comes up in 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 discussion or Chelsea history at all. But uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Chelsea won 7-3. Um, and the other thing that's remarkable to me is that there, there were two players playing in that match who I just have no real recollection of. Sorry, one player, certainly. Lee, Lee Frost. Lee Frost, who scores a hat-trick. Right? Who, who is Lee Frost? Whatever happened to Lee Frost?
1: Well, he was a little pocket battleship of a player. And... Um, uh he put it about a bit and was very skillful and um it was no surprise to me that he was scoring, but he then fell from favour, as appears to be the case. They have sort of limited time in the team. Like there's also Johnson was a decent. Yeah,
2: I was thinking of him too. Again, very, somebody I don't have really any recollection of at all.
1: Just really good in the air and decent skills. And um I just think don't think it was a it was a time for for giving, being given opportunities, I think Hurst was very specific. It's very interesting watching lots of these games um, again. Is that you do appreciate? And I've said this before about the 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 ball being passed back to the goalie rule, but it does mean that the ball is lumped up the field an enormous amount, and particularly from defence. Particularly Mickey Droy, unfortunately, was never the most cultured of players. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> would just kick the ball yeah, I've
0: one, of, one of the games one of the games that Chid gave us a link to I can't remember which one it was I think we I think it was the Charlton game where we won 3-1 yeah yeah exactly. and, and Mickey Droid just yeah. took the ball out of defence and just whacked it forward there was nobody there it yeah. just went straight to the goalkeeper and That's it was great. I mean God bless him he gave everything for the club and I love Mickey Droy because and he that. was captain
2: but, at the time remember yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um so, come on then, Clayton. Do you remember the 7-3 against Doreen? Tell me about it.
0: I wasn't there, um, but I do remember it. And, and it was just, it was bizarre. It was utterly bizarre because the result came from nowhere. And as you alluded to, in, uh, um, is that the team had trouble scoring goals. And then for all of a sudden to come up with seven, it, it was utterly bizarre. I mean, I, I can't remember. I, I just saw the result in the evening and I just thought, well, didn't make any sense at all.
1: But But as a consequence of all of this, they started rising up the league, didn't they? They Well, yeah. were working for them. So you, you can't understand, I still don't understand why Frost and Johnson were in and out of the side and then ultimately disappeared because they were clearly playing very well. But I remember it's that thing of watching a new player. I always have, I'm sure that we're all the same. We have great enthusiasm for a new player who comes in and we want them to do really well. And if you see players doing really well, you think, yeah, great, let's see them playing again next week. And then they're not in the team the following week and they play well. I don't get, I've never got that. I've never understood that.
0: But but, I think that with, with those two, I think there was Hurst obviously favoured Tommy Langley and Clive Walker up front. And I think those guys missed out because he, he seemed wedded to those two and, you know, to be fair. um,
2: No better players.
0: Yeah. uh, And to be fair, Clive Walker was a remarkably good player. And one thing when I was looking it at He could be awful
2: uh, on his day though, Clayton.
0: He could be. He could be awful. Um but name me a winger that consistently has
2: a good game every week. No, true enough. And I mean to be fair, he he so who who, Jonathan?
1: Steve Koppel.
2: Okay, good point. Till he got injured. He was very inconsistent after that. Uh but uh yeah, Walker ends up being the top goal scorer of 13 and uh, top appearance maker as well with about 42 appearances, I think. So, you know, don't disc don't diss, uh, Clive Walker. Now, I, I'm, I'm desperate to know whether you were at the next game, uh, which was Chelsea against West Ham on the 14th of November. It was an evening kickoff, so you might not have been. Were you at that match, Clayton?
0: No, I wasn't. Because during this, well, this season and the season before and after, uh, I was at uni. So I couldn't get to all the home games, but I know what you're going to say. This was
2: tasty. Yeah, John, Jonathan, Jonathan, do you remember the Chelsea-West Ham match after the... I was uh, there. I you was were there. there, right. Okay. What's this match famous for? And it's not us beating them 2-1. Uh,
1: fighting. Yes. Yes, what a surprise. The,
2: the the cheeky, chirpy Cockneys caused a lot of ag that night because they basically all congregated in the shed Didn't
1: end. Take over. Yeah, that's right. Didn't, wasn't there a constant sort of pushing people around the pitch? Around the? Uh, um, and luckily I was ensconced in my seat in the uh, the East Stand Upper, so I wasn't um, having to uh, be just observed, thinking, oh, God, here they go again. Oh, look, they've pushed them around that side. Oh, look, they've chased them around that side. Well, oh, look, the police are coming if, in here now. If, oh, okay. if you
2: read Kelvin uh, Barker's marvellous... Uh, salary representing Chelsea in the 80s, uh, which is the definitive work on this era. And Kelvin will be coming on. I've got an announcement to make about the 50 years of Chelsea at the end of the show, but Kelvin will be coming on a few of these. And if in his book, he says that basically about, I don't know, something like 200 West Ham fans, uh, very incognito, assembled at the, at the bottom of the shed, which of course is where the kids used to go. And then they went loopy uh, when, um, who scored for them? Uh, holland scored on 25 minutes to go 1-0 they announced themselves at which point the, the chelsea lot in the shed all absolutely went for them bit of a pitch battle and then they were on the pitch well actually no apparently the the the, the west ham fans on the other end started to come on as well so it was a right old ding dong not very pleasant if you're in the middle of it i would imagine uh, luckily i wasn't clayton wasn't and you were in the east end so you got away with it but you know what you said a minute ago jk about us being top, we were we were in sixth when we played West Ham. We were in the third when we then played Charlton, which is one of the matches that I showed, uh, I shared with you from YouTube, and then Notts County, the, the away match where I thought we got hammered, and still won three-two. Lord knows how,
0: how how they missed all those open goals. It was hysterical. They were as bad as we were.
2: Well, they they were. It was, I was I was astonished. Um, you know, Jonathan's muted himself somehow. I'm going to unmute him. There you go. You about to say something, LB. I
1: mean, you know, they they just missed, missed goal after goal after goal, didn't they? Did, they did, didn't they, yeah. They had that really excellent player playing, Masson. Yeah, Don, did, Masson. Oh, Don Masson. Don Masson. Then went to play for Forest, didn't he, after that, I think? No, he went to QPR. Did he go to QPR? Yep. OK, OK. He was part of
0: that side that nearly won the league. Right, right.
2: So there you go. Bottom line is, is that we were top of the league by the end of the calendar year. So, I mean, how were you both feeling then? You must think, thinking, well, hello. Yeah, we are going to go right back up.
1: Well, they, they were playing very well. And as you, you said, um, uh, Clayton, um, uh, Clive Walker was terrific. And so was, uh, and Fillery was playing out of his skin. Fillory had that great ability to um, just dribble past lots of people and, and curl shots in. He was a very classy player, Mickey Fillery. Um, and I have to say I didn't consequently miss Butch that much. But mind we we were in the second division, so the standard of team they're playing against obviously wasn't the same. But because Fillery looked to me to be a real, real class act. I mean, they did have this ability to to there was something going right at the club in that they were getting hold of of players coming through who you thought, well, actually these are he's pretty decent. Gary Locke was still a terrific fullback. Um um, what happened to David Stride? He'd played the last few games of the season before. Did he play very much? He, he
0: was sold. He was sold to American team, I think, if memory serves me right. So the, so basically, we actually got
1: money from him. We got money from him. But the, basically the premise was so frequently, let's sell somebody rather than make a team up that is going to uh, um, do well in the next division.
2: David Stride got sold to uh, Memphis Rogues for 90 grand on the 31st of October.
1: Uh, so somebody okay. made a, some. Uh, obviously, um, Hurst made a decision; he wasn't up to it. Um, or uh, the board made a decision that I they think... had to pay the wages <laughs> up to Christmas. <laughs> yes. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Let um, ask a question. As yeah, of course, of course. Let ask a question. If you are playing for Chelsea and you're not bad, you know, you've got, you look pretty good, and you're sturdy, and and um, and you've got a good stride, and uh, and everybody thinks, and you think, yeah, he's got potential, and you're young. Why would you then, as a player? wants to go to America for 90000 Money, and I suppose. Yeah, once again, yeah, probably offered. Yeah. Obviously a bit like wine. China Money. is
2: now. Better yeah, style yeah. of life. Yeah, I suppose so. Sunshine.
1: I suppose so, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: Right, we're going to have a bit of a half-time break. We're at the end of the calendar year for Chelsea, so halfway through the season. We'll uh, continue with the second half of the season and have a bit of a reflect on it. After the break. But before we do that, I should alert your attention to uh CFC UK. Now, there are obviously no more match days, but you can still get uh the best Chelsea fanzine around. Uh you can get it digitally by subscribing online at CFCUK.net. Uh or of course you can get it physically uh by paying two pounds, including first class postal delivery. Uh, by emailing your address and paying via PayPal to cfcuk at gate17.uk. Now, right now, there is an edition around that will get printed if people buy it, basically, uh, because it's a special one to raise money for four charities Help for Heroes, Leukemia UK, Help Them Help Us, and Stole, who are, of course, our next door neighbours and look after homeless veterans. Uh, and by producing, uh, well, you know, basically, we're going to produce uh, a special photo only edition of the fanzine. We shall have uh, photographs from the past decade. I think me and you are in there, aren't we, Clayton? Don't worry, you're on mute. You don't you can don't have to answer that. I think he is. But we're all in there, plus a load of other uh, really interesting photographs taken with loads of people who are, uh, you know, kind of friends of the fanzine, really. So the target is to raise 500 quid per charity. So therefore, the cost is £6, inclusive of postage, within the UK. Uh, but it will only go ahead if we reach the target that we're trying to raise. So there we go. If we don't reach it, all the payments will be refunded. So send the payment and full address details to, uh, via PayPal to cfcuk at gate17.co.uk. We will return after this break.
1: Eine Frage. Wie schnell war der Aufschlag? 150 km/h. Wie lang war der Drive.
0: 329
1: Meter! Wie lange hast du geschlafen? Oh, 7 Stunden 54 Minuten. Letzte Frage: Trainierst du deinen Körper und deinen Geist mit der Achtsamkeit? Ein?
0: Ja, genau das mache ich.
1: Wir alle haben Fragen und die neue Apple Watch Series 7 hat die Antworten. Auf dem bisher größten und fortschrittlichsten Display. Die Zukunft der Gesundheit am Handgelenk. Lieferengpässe möglich. Erfordert ein iPhone 6S oder neuer App aus dem App Store. Abo erforderlich. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Okay,
2: Okay, uh, welcome back, everybody. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge, him over there, Jonathan Kidd, <laughs> and uh, the lovely, delightful Mr. Clayton Beerman good evening there you go and uh we're into part two of uh our 50 years of chelsea series which this week is 1979 1980 and we leave uh we left chelsea at the top of the division two table by the end of the calendar year uh and the beginning of the year as clake was saying to me earlier on before we went on air probably sums up chelsea two weeks in chelsea's history that sum them up perhaps as a club more than any other um we play the highly fancied, highly rated, you know, traditional big club Newcastle United at Stamford Bridge in uh, in January, I believe, first match of the of the new year. And uh, we absolutely walloped them uh, 4-0. I was watching this, actually, funny enough, just before we went on air. Um, but we basically beat them 4-0. Uh, Clive Walker scored a cracking goal, Clayton, which uh, I forgot how good it was, actually um but do you remember much about this match were you there yeah i was definitely there so
0: basically i don't know what it is but over the years that we've we've got this thing that we really do give newcastle a good humping every time we play them at home and this may have been the start um because we absolutely just because uh, i think we were top and they were third yeah uh and so they they were sort of on our towels in the No, no, they, they were top, we were second. Board. They were top, were well, they? And we were okay. And we absolutely hammered them. And I, I, they didn't have a sniff that day. And I remember being so excited after that game and really, really gutted because I couldn't go to the cup game on the Monday and we were playing Wigan at home. And The point is, I think, and Jonathan may correct me, but we were playing Wigan on the Monday after we played Newcastle because we were supposed to play Wigan the previous Saturday, but it was postponed. So it was rearranged. And being at uni, I couldn't really afford to go to to Saturday and Monday. So I was absolutely gutted because I thought, if we are played like this against Newcastle, what we are only going to do to Wigan... And Jonathan, would you like to take the story on? <laughs> well, let's put it this way: We were poor, poor, <laughs> poor,
1: we were very oh, poor. god, okay were so- they
0: I can't remember were they in the old force division,
1: or were they actually in the conference? I, just, I know they're, I, I think they were in the conference, yeah Good God! time, yes, and um. And it was abject is a good word for it. I think they
0: only had one shot, didn't they? And it went in. It went in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was in scored
2: those- scored by the bloke who would eventually set up um, Depeche mode, Martin Gore. <laughs> it wasn't really Martin Gore, but his name was Gore. But as Kelvin says in in the book, it set up wonderful headlines like a gory night for Chelsea. <laughs> yes, of
1: course. Yeah. Of course. An interesting thing about the Newcastle game, before we just get on into the the um, uh, the bowels of the Wigan game, was how I didn't realise, I'd forgotten, that the, the the tunnel wasn't on the halfway line at that period. The pitch was further down nearer the shed. Did you know that? And that the east stand was actually to the left much more.
0: Oh, that's right, because they only aligned it years later, didn't they? Yes,
1: yes. So, the was way- that when they actually got rid of the shed? They
0: aligned yeah, it.
1: They aligned it. It took that long. Otherwise, see, you came out of the... Thinking you are on the halfway line. You weren't. You had to turn left. Uh, <laughs> another another that's quick so, point. Another
2: that's
1: quick so point. Chelsea. It's just so Chelsea, wasn't it? Another quick point, just to mention it. In, we missed out in the, the Notts County game. How, I think, um, somebody was about to play. Was it Frost? I can't, uh, To score. About to score. And um, the goalkeeper just walked out of the penalty area and grabbed the ball and handled that's it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And... Um, and uh, the referee didn't book him or anything no. nothing happened no, no. and then and then Barota came out and and knocked somebody over outside the penalty area and was booked and every, everybody went mad all the not county all players all came round and uh, and harangued the referee and yet chelsea didn't say anything to the referee about the goalkeeper it was almost as if it was a different world and a different law it's you like, know i'm allowed to handle the ball outside the penalty area and you can't do anything about it okay it's, it's, we'll like, it's it. like
2: tangent chaps but i've been having watched these matches today I've been dying to ask you both this, uh, these two questions. I mean, number one, of course, is the, the old but uh, butker—is it but butka kits? Remember the but buckter kits? Not yes. as counted. Yeah, that's easy for you to say. Not not at all. Butkist. but <laughs> bu- buk- buckter buk- buk- k- kits, kits, which kits. I remember as a kid as being horrible. Weirdly,
1: yeah. said better in an Asian accent.
2: Butka. <laughs> kits. <laughs> don't start me i miss the beer anyway i remember those kits as a kid oh, yeah. the, the only kits that i know that were worse than that the kind of 90s version of the Buckter kits were kappa kits like nobody nobody you, you either bought an umbro or an admiral you didn't buy Buckter or kappa Unless you were from the north, I reckon. But anyway, but you know, know kids, that those the kids in those I go, whoa, 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 whoa! One kits. of you, one of you, one of you. Sorry,
0: Sorry Clayton. The Buxter kids. I think that the Bull Boys at Stamford Bridge wore purple Buckter tracksuits. No way! But we
1: were wearing Umbro. Don't you think? Can you remember that, Jonathan? Yeah, it rings a bell. Yeah, Clayton. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. They 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 seem to come each season. They wore a different different shade of something and you wonder whether it was a excuse me it was a rival firm I don't think they paid any attention to consistency like that did they they didn't say no everybody's probably fell off the back of a lorry didn't they but yeah they were probably yeah yeah, yeah they probably uh I was surprised they actually wore the same uniform rather than just a kind of their, their own shorts and their own socks Now,
2: here's a question for you had, had you donned the uh Stanford the Lion kit by now
1: um Seventy nine 80 I, it was my my era was that. So uh sorry. Um what was the game? Hang on, West Ham at home. Uh
2: that's no, when all ne- the the ag was. Did you next, start all the ag Jonathan with the West Ham fans dressed as Stanford the Lion? Uh
0: no, because you, you
1: it was a it was a Saturday game, you were uh,
2: Yeah, mine was a Saturday. Stanford. Game.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was the next season.
2: Right, eighty, 80 81 yeah, yeah. alright fair enough now listen talking to Stamford Bridge the, the the thing the questions I wanted to ask you I noticed this watching the Charlton game it's the first time thus far you know and okay I've only been catching up on all the old YouTube clips but as you know I love the singing so I've got my ear tuned into it and, and thus far Chelsea's repertoire seems to be when they get scored against this it, you're going to get your fucking head kicked in or whenever there's a really good challenge Chelsea agro, grow Chelsea air grow but yeah. in the Charlton game I hear, we all follow the Chelsea over land and sea. And I haven't heard that up till now. And the other one I heard, this I think was uh, up at uh, Notts County. I heard them singing Carefree. Yes, absolutely. F- that's the first time I've heard we all follow and Carefree this season. I, mean- I thought it
0: was quite interesting, actually. All you could hear in the Notts County game or the highlights of that Notts County game was Chelsea fans singing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, great support that year. Clearly, yeah. but were these songs sung before then, Clayton? It's just a bit of a, a weird kind of coincidence that I just happened to have stumbled across two. No, I don't. I YouTube. don't think
0: so. I mean, I I sort of continue to be hor- horrendously embarrassed by the fact that you can hear us singing "You'll Never Walk Alone" with the scarves up in all these yes.
1: clips. And and no, I was saying, everybody everybody used to do that. Yeah, it was a generic song. It wasn't a. It was then a, a, a appropriated by the by the Scousers. It was, it was like a, a jo- i I've never worked out. I, as I said before, but never worked out why a song from the musical Carousel was 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 taken on. Because
0: board. Jerry and the Pacemakers did it, and of Jerry course. and the Pacemakers were a Liverpool Liverpool. Band.
1: So therefore, why did we embrace it? Uh, and various other clubs embraced it as well. What was no like? idea. So they had a no right there. Apparently, <laughs>
0: apparently, was it? It was a it's a huge thing with Celtic before.
1: Liverpool. Oh, perhaps there was that connection as well. I've got a
2: great bit of info from uh, good old Mark Meehan who we had on last week. And by the way, people, if you were waiting for Mark Meehan's My Chelsea, I I just had a bit I had a mare this weekend because I had like seminars coming out of my ears and I had got hauled up to London to to do various things up there. And in between all that I managed to put my back out. So it's been a bit of an eventful weekend. So I will get Mark's My Chelsea up this week, I promise. But Mark said, or mixed, he says, Eddie McCready was manager at Memphis Rogues, so would have bought David Strive. Ah, right. oh, there good, we go. Good information. Good knowledge, Mark. Now, getting back to seventy nine eighty, um, yeah, woefully inconsistent. I see that this is when we begin our love-hate affair with Shrewsbury by losing to them 4-2 in the next match. But a couple of uh, interesting signings happened around this time. I mean, I've told you already about Peter Rhodes Brown and, and Kevin Hales emerging, but we b- we bought three signings around this time one was colin lee one was colin viljoen and one was dennis Rofe. so all pretty experienced players um colin lee of course was a striker played for tottenham yeah colin viljoen a midfielder Dennis Rowe, a pretty hard-nosed he became, defender.
1: Lee, Lee became a good serv- servant. He did, he
2: did. We'll let that, hold hold your horses. Hold your horses. Hold him, horses. Uh, we also, of course, uh, had the debut this season of the absolutely delightful, wonderful Colin Pates, who, when I interviewed him for the Chelsea special, spoke about this era just so articulately. But anyway, it occurred to me, how many football teams do you know who have had three Collins playing for them at the same time? Wow. There you go. It's a very, very good question. It's a very good question, isn't it?
0: Um, can I yeah. can I just... I don't know if you're going to go back to it, Chidge, but can I just um, go back to the Shrewsbury thing? Yeah, totally. So this game, and I don't know if Jonathan remembers it, but this game is why we didn't get promoted. Because in this game that we lost 4 to at home, a certain player called Chris Kamara who played for Shrewsbury Town, took out John Bumstead.
2: No, he didn't. Not in this this one. Maybe later on in the season, but Kamara wasn't playing in this match.
0: Oh, okay. Well, John Bumstead got injured in this game. He did get injured. And he was out for the rest of the season. And that, I thought, uh, uh, certainly at the time, (laughs) it cost us promotion. Because he was so important to us. And and he was just... I I remember he was stretched off. Awful, awful game. I was part of the 18,120.
2: <laughs> so what was it with Shrewsbury? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think I have a kind of an affection for these matches because Psycho Phil and the Norman boys always talk about it. I mean, there's one match... It might have even been this season, actually, where Phil took Stuart as a two year old toddler, complete with the, you know, those little harnesses you could get toddlers, right? So you had one of those. Phil at half time, they're they're at the front, and Phil at half time put Stuart down so he could roll up a fag. And before he could know it, Stuart had managed to crawl over the, the fence and was launching himself into, you know, running onto the pitch. Uh, at which point, all the Chelsea fans started cheering, Chelsea aggro, yeah, Chelsea aggro. Yeah, this little two-year-old toddler doing a, pit, a lone baby pitch. It might have been the next season, actually.
1: But, uh, I have a memory of this, actually. of have a memory of a child going onto the pitch. That was Stuart Norman. proud crowd being very, very amused by it, yeah. and doing, shouting Chelsea aggro
2: yeah yeah i think it might have been next season to be fair but that's always kind of like made me fascinated about us playing shoes we had a terrible record against them um another west country team uh which this this amused me royally when i when i checked this out on youtube but obviously we, we played bristol rovers this is now getting towards uh yeah this is now in february uh we're still third and uh I mean, we got, we got hammered, really, 3-0. But the, the match is not remembered for the result much, as I discovered by looking for match footage to find none but a, an ITV news report of Chelsea hooliganism and the FA trying to ban Chelsea from travelling away. But apparently the club sued the FA and they had to, to, to revoke the ban.
1: Do you two remember this? Yes. Yes, well, and also... I, was- I, remember, I remember the trouble... But it was a typical reaction, wasn't it, to losing? If you if you if you lost like to a number of goals like that and played not particularly well, they'd they'd just they'd all go mad and try and destroy everything. That was it. I remember the police horses actually charging the up terraces. the terraces. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's, they they had footage of that on YouTube. I don't know why. I mean, there'll be people that are listening, no doubt, and I shall ask a few mates. But there seems to have been a a pretty big enmity between Chelsea and both the Bristol clubs, actually. Uh, I, I remember people telling me about a lot of ag at Bristol City when we, whenever we played them. So I don't know I don't know what they put in the cider down there, but it clearly uh, caused a bit of a ruckus. But moving swiftly on, um, we're still top of the league, right? With a month to go. We get to April and we're still top of the league. Now, Clayton says that um, our season... I think it's a really good point, actually, about bummers. Losing bummers really hampered us because he's a great player for us. But uh, we lost 1-0 at Leicester, who are in the hunt for promotion as well. We lost 1-0 to them, largely because one of their defenders clatters Petar Barotta. And, uh, you know, basically they score as a result of that. Uh, And even on the commentary, the lovely Hugh Johns says he couldn't understand what happened there because Barotta had been clattered and it probably shouldn't have been a goal. But that didn't help. But we still go into the, the final match of the season. Really, uh... You know, with a good chance of getting promoted. Um we had to beat Oldham at home. Birmingham had to fail to win, and then Sunderland had a game in hand, and they had their game in hand was against West Ham, who of course just won the FA Cup and was still very much on the piss. So guess what happened? Well, we beat Oldham three nil, Birmingham won and Sunderland won, and we miss out on promotion by a point. Right?
0: No, it was goal difference.
2: Goal difference. Are you sure? Yeah, you sure? Okay, I'll give no, I'll, I'll give you a no. point. I'll give you a point. You're you're right, Clayton. You're right. I'll give you a point if you can tell me what the goal difference was.
0: Uh, I, I'm cheating because I'm looking. Birmingham, Birmingham was twenty, and we were fourteen.
2: Indeed. So we miss out. And the reason the reason why
0: I, sort of one of, one of the, the the worst thing was, and I think I'm right in saying that we. We played on the Saturday, but West Ham didn't. Southern West Ham wasn't until midweek.
2: Because of the FA Cup? It? Because of the FA yeah. Cup final? Yeah. But
0: but one of the worst results that we had, and I actually went to this game, and it was quite My funny, or it wasn't funny at the time, was the fact that we got beaten 5-1 yeah. by Birmingham. And it was a midweek game, and it was really important. So we went up there, and... I remember as I was taking my seat behind the goal, Peter Barotta was flapping the first one in. It was literally in the first minute. We went 2-0 down about another minute later. I think Tommy Langley scored just before half-time, and thought, you know, we're back in this. We left at 4-1 and I got home back to uni. And I remember one of my college mates saying, oh, that was a tough old journey and all the rest of it wasn't it he got a bit of a hammering I said yeah we lost 4-1 he went no you lost 5-1 <laughs> so we hadn't even listened to the radio on the way back or it wouldn't have even been on the radio on the way back we would have just been listening to music and that if you look at the, the goal difference behind Birmingham that was one of the, the also one of the main reasons why why
1: we didn't go up. They should have won then of course if they won there wouldn't have been any problem at all they wouldn't have been yeah. worrying about it but it's, it's accumulation of the season, isn't it? Really? It's these, it's taking your eye off the ball in certain games. I mean, you know, they, around it, they'd won the lot. They'd won four, five of them. Didn't they, they won the next four off, next three. Yeah. then they lost to Rangers. It was just the run in. Was it drawn, drawn, one, drawn. That yeah, was his,
2: we didn't. Well. well, we, we won two, drew three, but you know, I'll get onto this in a minute, but very quickly, we've got some great posts on Mixler that you'll love. Uh, Matthew MHL Gate fourteen says Bristol away. people used to stop you and ask you the time to hear your accent to find out where you're from. Okay, and uh, Joe, that's blogged... what
0: happened. That's what happened to me at Birmingham. Yeah, and I had to say I'm not quite sure. I don't normally wear a watch. Yeah. and we
2: we got away with it. He said my watch was stolen by the peaky fucking blinders. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, which funnily enough, actually, as a tangent, I, I I I missed lots of them on the first time round. I've just watched all five series, you know, off the trot, which has been great fun. Uh, anyway, so I've been going around going pooky blinders all week. Anyway, um, we digress. Talking of Birmingham, Joe Blogg says when we lost to Birmingham, way five one, Barota scored a headed own goal.
0: Well, that must have been the first one. It was a corner, yeah. it was an in swinging corner, and I can't. All I know is that he was he was sort of waving it through. So whether it hit his head on the way in, I don't know.
1: And uh, Aussie, Simon, sorry, Jonathan, go on, mate. As if he tried to head it over the goal, because that's the kind of thing he used to do. So he may have been trying to. Head well, it, I
2: just... saw a clip earlier today where he runs out of the box and he heads. He's outside of his penalty area to come to meet the ball and he heads it. Yeah. yeah. The guy was barking, wasn't he?
1: Absolutely barking. Worse than that, judge. Worse
2: than that. Uh, Aussie Sign My broken leg says uh, it, I was there. It was a shit show. I saw Alan May score. Says Hugh Johns fought in the war. Only had one lung, but still smoked like a trooper. One of the great commentators. I've got to say, Hugh Johns is one of my all-time favourite commentators. Absolutely. He just made you so excited. Corner,
1: right side. Yeah,
2: he just got you so excited, didn't he, watching it? Brilliant. brilliant. He he came up with
0: one of the best commentary lines of all time. I can't remember what the game was, but uh, an Ipswich defender. ball came in from a corner. He tried to clear it, and he absolutely buried it and Hugh Johns goes he doesn't miss those <laughs>
2: <laughs> he uh, he was just brilliant i just loved him um look very quickly uh before we get to the kind of the uh reflections the reflections of the 1979 80 season uh another very uh and i know i've actually talked to people who were, who were kind of in amongst this lot but there was something very important going on on may the 3rd uh, 1980 um And this was uh, just down the road, up in Kensington, the Iranian embassy was being held hostage by a bunch of terrorists, and uh, a lot of Chelsea. Well, I say a lot of Chelsea fans. Hickey's mob basically decided that they would go and, uh, you know, hurry proceedings up a little bit, and were singing about it apparently on the day. And actually, they did. A lot of them did go up there to try and sort them all out. They were they, they were gently dissuaded from doing so by. The police, and then, as we know, I think it was not necessarily that day, but around that time, a day or so later, maybe the SAS famously stormed the place and sorted it all out. But the thought of Hickey's tell, Mall, tell Hickey's you exactly Mall exactly taking when the Iranian embassy—when was, when was Sorry it? Sorry
0: to interrupt. I'll tell you exactly when it was. It was May the fifth because it was my twenty-first birthday party, and we were having a party in the garden at my house, and uh, we all went inside to watch the live action. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, it would have been that would have been the Monday then, because the third was yeah, the Saturday. Yeah, strange
1: times. Were you I were you in the mob out. that
2: were you in the mob that was taking the Iranian embassy, Jonathan?
1: Fine enough. No, I was going out Surprise with a girl me. who lived in uh, lived in Redcliffe Street in Elles Court, and uh, we were watching TV, and I suddenly heard, buff, buff, buff. and I said, I wonder what that is. Do you think that's uh, is that Hickey's mob? Uh, yeah, well, fine enough. Exactly <laughs> what I said. <laughs> <laughs> my mate icky sure. you would say yeah. blowing the uh, blowing the iranian embassy up yeah yeah I, it's just it's just it was the sas men of
2: course it, it is one of for those of us of a certain generation it is one of those wonderful kind of apocryphal mad chelsea stories but as i said i i, I spoke to martin king about this and he he says it's absolutely bona fide absolutely nutters the lot of them uh, now talking of nutters who liked inflicting violence more on the pitch than off it uh, a certain young mr harris ron harris it was his last game for chelsea that game against Oldham. How about that? He did
1: well, didn't he? He did, he did well, well, dear Ron, didn't he? he? Who who'd really shouldn't have been playing the last few years. Um, but he was a... Uh, uh, um, Great servant. Well, yeah, but also he, he started playing differently. He started playing central central midfield, didn't he? I mean, and he was a decent passer of the ball as well. You don't keep playing for a top club without having uh, um, a skill in many areas, as well as being... Um, uh, uh an executioner of uh, of talent from time to time but he was um he he, he, had, he had some he was skillful and and tactically excellent as well particularly because his best period was uh, was obviously between um 64 and 73 but uh he he kept going and um um it was it was i think everybody once again the same with Bonetti, agreed that the time had come there was a kind of universal, appraisal that, yes, perhaps this was a season too far, but then uh, he was still doing okay. So, um, uh, and I think he was obviously a terrific presence in the changing room. I think that was something that um, well, similarly, Mickey um, um, Nutton said in his, uh, John Sitton, I should say, said in his in his article I, I listened to, his podcast I listened to, that he found him charming and funny, but also a very good influence in the changing room, which well, is what... He,
2: you, it's a really good point because Gary Chivers uh, on the Chelsea special I did with him was so fulsome in his praise of Ron and he said he, he was such a lovely guy because he, he would he was like a father figure I mean obviously yeah. Gary played in defense and would play next to Ron and he would be telling him where to go he'd be like coaching him all the time on the field and just giving him the benefit of his experience And and I think we underestimate this about Ron don't we Clayton because you know, he gave everything for the club. He was com- he was actually really selfless in that in in that form, you know. He helped people. He helped these youngsters through and develop, and it just shows you that actually you need to look at things in the whole, don't you? He might not have been as good a player as he was, but his experience was was priceless, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, he, he he was uh he was with the club man and boy. Uh I know that he he went on a free to Brentford uh, at the end of the season. But he, he was he was a fantastic, fantastic captain. Um, and it was quite interesting that, that Jonathan mentions that and you mention it. But just watching the highlights, if you watch the, the Newcastle highlights after um, Clive Walker scores, or it wasn't Clive Walker, it was the fourth goal. Clive Walker made the fourth goal. And they're running back to the halfway line and Harris is in his ear the whole time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not admonishing him but he's talking to him and he's hes sort of I don't know what he was saying to him it might have been where are we going later or you know what's for it. dinner
1: a little more like you've got the beating of that fullback every time keep
0: going yeah it. something yeah. like that just keep doing it just I mean he, he was great seven I love him and I, I've, I've sort of spoken to him a couple of times um in the recent years and he's just a lovely man and, he and he's Chelsea
2: yeah absolutely well as we said we finished uh, not one point off promotion. We were actually denied by goal difference, uh, which does kind of give us all sorts of permutations. I think Clayton's point that had we not lost 5-1 to Birmingham, uh, we would have gone up is true. Although they were seven goals, I think, or six goals ahead of six. us. Yeah, so, you know, it might have helped. I mean, Kelvin says that had Mickey Droy not hit the post in the first match of the season versus Sunderland, where we drew nil-nil, we'd have been promoted, which is a good point. There's another thing he mentions, which I thought was wonderfully ironic in a sense, but a mere two seasons later, uh, three points for a win was introduced in the league. And if it had been in place in 1979-80, would have been promoted at the expense of Birmingham. So I think... Well, that- if, you,
0: if you actually look at the final table, um, Leicester, who went up as champions, I think, I mean, we have more wins than them. We have more wins than
2: anybody. We had 23 wins. The other three above us, which are Leicester, who were champions, Fair. Sunderland, and then Birmingham, they all had 21 wins. Go figure. Go figure. Well, look, given all of that, chaps, given how close it was, um, you know, you were you were both there, you were going. I mean, if we'd have missed out, if Chelsea had missed out, if, if I'd have been going as well, and been more cognizant of all of this,
1: missing out on promotion on goal difference, I would have been gut- gutted. I was completely eviscerated yeah. I was listening to the bloody result, trying to get the results of the West Ham game all the way through the, whenever it was the Monday listening. And then you just, you knew that they weren't going to win and it was just, Oh, it was so disappointing as always. I was the same gutted completely. Oh God.
0: Yeah, no, it And was, it was awful. And I think it was, I think it was awful because, you know, you started off the season with Blanche Flower in charge with sort of, you know, not much hope, but, uh, but then we'd really hit some form, and it was just the fact that we'd stuffed up towards the end of the season. You know, it it would have only taken another point, another yeah. you know, another victory or a yeah. draw or whatever.
2: Turn one of those draws into um, a win. I went. Yeah, to-
0: maybe it was the psyche of the team that 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 you know, in insofar as we now have the psyche of winning, that that team didn't have it and they didn't know how to get over the line and and on the basis that we had Telford's ex-manager,
1: uh, maybe it just it just wasn't there mm-hmm. as so as it went on to prove.
0: Mm-hmm. I went
1: into the garden and shouted and howled about being a Chelsea supporter. I remember at the time going, you know, I think it was the very fact that, as you say, we started off so um, um, inadequately with Blanche Flower and it was the fact that we then just got better and better and started having runs of wins and got to be top of the table and then not to not to follow that through and end up being promoted at least was just
2: oh it was vile oh god indeed well okay just to put a lid on the season uh the top scorers were mickey fillery and clive walker with 13 each most appearances peta barotta and Good. ian Britton with 44 and the player of the season was clive walker
1: rightly so had a terrific season yeah he
2: did actually let's let's not uh, let's give the man some credit right um just your final thoughts on peter benetti retiring in 78 79 and what you generally thought about peter Barota. um
0: obviously it was sad when when peter retired but i think it was on the cards and and he was ready to go i think that um Petter Barotta was a bit of a curate seg, to be perfectly honest, at the time. In hindsight, not so much. I think he made his debut. You probably talked about this last week. I haven't caught up with the show against Liverpool and kept a clean sheet. Um, We're all thinking, oh, could have something special. But he just basically went from bizarre to ludicrous to just a liability. And, And when I was watching the earlier clips... It was quite difficult. And Mrs. Beerman is now <laughs> telling me I have to go. Dinner time. Um, dinner time. Um, Let's go. But no, I, no, 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 no. He, he, he I'll, I'll just finish off. It's quite interesting because it, thinking about him, there was, a, you know, in in sort of the cold light of day, there's a sort of bit of affection. But having watched those clips back and then I'm having those horrible memories of of him being in goal when we lost 6-0 at Rotherham. Yeah, not good.
1: He was worse than I remember. I I had a kind of affection for his madness, but then you look at him and think, no, well, he's not a proper goalkeeper at all. Why did I ever think he was any good? Yeah,
2: yeah. We'll get to the madness of Rotherham in the next week or two, I suspect. Anyway, in the meantime, Clayton, you've been brilliant. Lovely to see you as ever. See you soon. Thank you. You take care. Stay safe, everybody. Will do. And uh, J.K., you've been marvelous. Simply Lovely marvelous.
1: To Lovely to be on again. Thank you so much, and thank you for for bringing Liam to me on and uh, and scaring me <laughs> for, bring, for bringing Liam to me. Oh. Yes.
0: So, go.
2: What, what a way to end the show. Brilliant. Now, you, Little Mixler, as always, you've been fantastic. I've loved reading your com- uh, comments tonight, they've been absolutely top notch, as always. Thank you all for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Good
1: Eine
0: Frage. Wie schnell war der Aufschlag? 150 km/h. Wie lang war der Drive? 229 Meter.
1: Wie lange hast du geschlafen? Oh, 7 Stunden 54 Minuten. Letzte Frage. Trainierst du deinen Körper und deinen Geist mit der Achtsamkeit? Ja,
0: genau das mache ich.
1: Wir alle haben Fragen. Und die neue Apple Watch Series 7 hat die Antworten. Auf dem bisher größten und fortschrittlichsten Display. Die Zukunft der Gesundheit am Handgelenk. Lieferengpässe möglich. Erfordert ein iPhone 6S oder neuer App aus dem App Store, Abo erforderlich.